moment and close your eyes. And maybe take in a really big, deep breath. Let it out. Think about for just a moment, what is something from your week that you feel grateful for? Take a moment and be thankful and just thank the Lord um, for that gift. God, thank you that you welcome us to you. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you set a table before us in the presence of everything that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. Thank you for the gift of being with others. Thank you for the gift of belonging. Thank you for the gift of your deep and profound love for us. And I pray that this morning we would walk away from this set-aside time feeling like we just were able to exhale in your presence and receive your deep and profound love for us. Amen. Um, When I was in junior high school, my family moved to Minnesota from Omaha, Nebraska, and um, there was a very serious table situation in the lunchroom of my junior high. You did not mess around with what table you got placed at um, socially. There was no um, rule about table placement, but there was an unspoken rule. There was, the, um, there was the cool kid table, and then there was the, like, not quite as cool kid table, but, like, you could talk to the cool kid table. And then there was the, like, I'm overly smart table. Then there was the um, socially awkward table. Then there was the table of the kids who just want to rebel against everything. And um, I'm sure there were more, but those are the ones that were most vivid in my head. And I desperately wanted to sit at the cool kid table. I was the new kid. I loved, um, well, I really wanted to get my, um, my lovability from what table that I sat at. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. We have our own adult versions of that. Um, I'm sure if we wanted to study our lives, there is a version of the cool kid table we all want to sit at. Um, But I did not make it to the cool kid table. One time, I got invited to the cool kid table, and, um, well, this is how it looked. I sat here, my friend who invited me sat across from me, and then all the other cool girls, they sat at this end of the table. I was not really welcome at the table. Um, It is not a good feeling to be somewhere and to not really be welcome And to walk into a lunchroom as a new kid and go, this table tells me where I belong and to whom I belong, and it tells me whether I'm valuable or not. A table. Um, 
A lot of my life revolves around a table. I have this annual goal of having 500 people to my dinner table every year, and it is a way that I have wanted to express hospitality and love, and, um, and I like to do things in ways that give me a goal, and whether I reach it or not, it doesn't really matter, but it gives me something to like look towards. And as I began to have more and more people at my table, I wanted to understand why does this feel so important to me, and what is it about Jesus that actually, is he involved in this, and does he have something to say about it? So um, as I was looking this morning, or looking this week at, at our time together, I was immediately reminded of junior high, and then I was reminded of the difference that Jesus makes when he invites someone to a table. So even in junior high, something about that lunchroom, we knew something that was actually deeply true, that where you ate was a statement about where you belonged. Um, When Jesus would share a meal uh, with his friends, with people, Culturally, what a Jewish person and the law would tell you is that who you ate with um, was actually a, a statement of something similar. Do you belong to these people? Are these people you want to belong to? If you were a Jew and you ate with a Gentile, you defiled yourself, you became unclean. If you ate with a, a sinner, you became unclean. If you ate with certain, so your table was no longer, it was not a place where you came to belong, but it was a place where you came and your belonging was tested. So when people would come to the table um, under the law, they would come to the table and go, are you in or are you out? Oh, I can't eat with you, but I'll eat with you. I might want to eat with you, but you're questionable. I wouldn't even be in the same room as you. You might um, you, you might make the cut. And so when Jesus invites a tax collector to come and eat with him, the immediate reaction of the Pharisees was to be like, Ugh, you are a friend of sinners. No, I hear that and I go, well, that's kind of a good thing. Like, he's a friend of sinners. We've had this language and this story around us for a while. But to the teachers of the law, what it said, what they were saying is like, you've become unclean because you ate with someone who was unclean. So we're going to look at four different encounters of Jesus at the table and Jesus with different people at the table, and then what exactly um, can we learn or observe from him in that? And I want us to think about a couple things as, as we're going. One, think about maybe a place or a person that you have, def- you have, um, you have deemed unclean. I won't eat with them. I don't want to be seen with them. I don't even want to have a conversation with them. That feels like so much energy. And what will people think if I actually am seen in the presence of of this person? And then I want you to also consider as we go, what part of yourself do you not welcome to the table? Because you have deemed this part of you as unclean. This part of you as it is the thing that is rejectable. It is the enemy that lives within you. 
So as we go, listen to these two themes. Who is a person or people group that you have deemed unclean? What is a part of yourself that you have deemed unclean? What might Jesus have to say about these parts of ourselves and our attitudes towards others? So in Mark chapter 2, there is a story of of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Otherwise, I'm going to read it. And um, I get real clumsy when I read. I'm just going to let you know that. (laughs) Once again, Jesus went out besides the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, and he followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners came um, and were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law saw the Pharisees, um, when the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his, his disciples, why does he eat with people like this? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, is it not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus was put down by the tax collector. Uh, Jesus was put down by the Pharisees because he welcomed those who had been outcasts, who were who were called defiled, and he welcomed them to him, his table. And by welcoming them to his table and him eating with them, he said, "You belong. Your life has value." And he did something which I find so interesting. And if you um, ever want a little side project as you are spending time with with the Lord, or you want to get curious about Jesus. Um, I would go through all four Gospels and look for where does Jesus enter into darkness to bring light where the Pharisees or the teachers of law said that darkness will defile me. So Jesus flipped it. He said, no, I'm not going to be defiled by these people. I have actually brought my life and value to them. So I'm going to eat with whomever I want because they're valuable and they belong. Jesus also had an encounter. This has been one of my favorite stories since I was a very little person. It's probably because I love the song. I really loved singing about a short man named Zacchaeus. Um, I feel bad for Zacchaeus that his whole life, that has been his like trademark. And, um, but Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. <laughs> And because he was so little, he had to climb up in this tree so the, because he wanted to see the Lord. He wanted to see Jesus. Could you imagine wanting to see Jesus so badly that as an adult, professional human being, you would climb a tree to get a look at him? And this was Zacchaeus. There was something deep inside of this tax collector, this person who had actually said, hey, I'm going to betray my own people for the Roman government. I'm going to steal from my own people. I'm going to take what is not mine, and I am going to then give the part that belongs to the Romans to the Romans, but the rest of it I'm going to pocket. Zacchaeus and Matthew or Levi were not looked at favorably. So Zacchaeus is in this tree. Jesus comes down 
the street. I imagine it in my, in my mind that there was a crowd because he had to climb a tree in the first place. I imagine Zacchaeus looking for, where is he? Like, what does he look like? Imagining some opulently dressed human being, and then he hears a word as he's looking out to find Jesus, and he hears his name, Zacchaeus. Eugene Peterson says that the name is the most important word in any language. And Jesus spoke Zacchaeus' name. And then he did this very bold thing, and he said, I'm coming to your house for lunch today. Let's go. And Zacchaeus, I imagine he hopped out of the tree. I kind of sometimes imagine he fell right out. Jesus, like, picks him up, and they walk to Zacchaeus' house, and the murmuring begins in the crowd. Can you believe it? What is Jesus doing? Why is he going to his house? He's going to get defiled. Why does this man always seem to hang out with the people that shouldn't be hung out with? Zacchaeus is this. Jesus, why would Jesus do this? Who is this man? Jesus sits with Zacchaeus. We don't know much of the conversation, but we do know that when Zacchaeus left the conversation, he went and he gave back to those that he stole from and he restored relationship, and he restored, he was restored himself. Something took place around his table with Jesus that brought restoration to who he is and to whom he belongs. The third story we're going to look at is the story of Jesus and his disciples at the Last Supper. Um, I don't know if the disciples knew it was the Last Supper, if they knew, like, oh, something, something is about to go down here. I'm sure they could feel something. Jesus is at the table with Judas, who had already betrayed him. Jesus was at the table with, um, with Peter, whom was going to deny him three times. And Jesus um, still invited them into his story. So he spoke what was true over these men, and, and as he did that, he invited them to remember, and we still remember this meal today. We remember what was put in to these men at that moment. Whether they recognized what was happening or not, there was something that shifted in that moment. He reminded them of of truth that is sustaining, and he reminded them to remember. Whenever you eat and whenever you drink, do this in remembrance of me. When you are sustained, remember me. When you see When you see bread that is broken, remember me. When you drink wine, remember me. And the table, this very common place, became a place of of worship and remembering. Remember me. And he did it with people who both deeply loved him and people he knew were going to or already had betrayed him. His generosity and his grace was so abundant and without condition that it can kind of make me feel uncomfortable. When I lived in San Diego, um, 
uh, I think I moved here 11, 12 years ago. I um, lived in a part of t- like downtown, and um, and I had started inviting my neighborhood over for dinner. And so I lived in, on, on a street that was a little bit, it was a little rough around the edges. And I would have my neighbors who lived upstairs over. And then one day I was walking my neighborhood. I kind of was like, Jesus, I'd kind of like to invite the whole neighborhood over, but I don't want to do it alone. Would you give me someone to help me like, do this, share this meal with? And that night, my, the girls who lived upstairs in my duplex came over for dinner, and they were not people who um, necessarily followed in the way of Jesus. And they looked at me that night, and they said, hey, Carrie, wouldn't it be awesome if we did this for our neighborhood? And I was like, well, yes, it would. <laughs> awesome. So we made flyers. We put them on every apartment building in every house that we could find in like a, a two-block radius. And two weeks later, we, my driveway was full of 35 individuals, most of which were very awkward middle-aged men. <laughs> and, um, and we had um, gone through, uh, my, my neighbors and I had just hosted, and we had, it was such a delightfully awkward, beautiful evening. Like, everything about it was like, you can't really describe it because everything, nothing made sense the whole night long. And it was so beautiful. And then I, um, I learned that you could look up online, um, you could look up where predators live near you. <laughs> and, um, and I found, like, my neighborhood was, like, red dotted everywhere. And I was like, okay, so that's fun. And, but there was this moment for me of going, I'm so glad I didn't know this before I had all of these people in my home. And then two, because these people became my friend before I knew that there was a potential of any part of their story being messy, that I received them with their messiness in a whole different way. And it actually was a, was a conviction for me. And it was, a, it was a turning point in my own story of saying, who I welcome to my table does not defile me, but I get to invite through my table belonging and value to others. That posture has changed so many things for me. And me learning to sit at a very awkward table, um, it's, it's okay. Because <laughs> we're learning how to receive our belonging somewhere. And sometimes that is really messy. So first, we see that a table is a place that we, we learn and see and receive our value, where we're shown value. We see through Zacchaeus that the table can be a place of restoration. We then see through Jesus in the Last Supper that the table becomes a place of reminding and remembrance, a place of worship, and also a place of generous grace, that this ark, this story is for everyone. And then Jesus dies, he rises again, and he's walking down the street. I love how normal, well, besides the dying and rising again part, his life is, is so normal. He's walking down the street, and as he's walking down the street, he's talking with some men. They invite him to have dinner. And, and I love how the story unfolds in Luke chapter 24. It says that he broke the bread and their eyes were opened. I don't know, I don't know if when he broke the bread, 
did his scars get seen? When he broke the bread, did they go, oh, this is really familiar, I know this man? I don't know what it was about that moment, but there was something about the, body, the bread being broken that the men who were with him, their eyes were open and they recognized Jesus was with them. There have been a few moments around my dinner table where bread has been broken and something happens where you go, oh, Jesus is here. Um, I, I had a number of years where I worked in LA and as a part of my work there, I would host dinner parties for people who worked in different parts of the entertainment industry. And I had a group of women around my table and we would choose a character trait of, the, of God we'd build a dinner around it. So this particular night was a beautiful dinner. And we invited a bunch of women who were in the fashion industry in LA. And we all came, we had dinner together. And there's a hodgepodge of everyone who was there. And, um, and I just invited us to share what was an encounter with beauty that we'd had in the last year. And everyone went around and woman after woman shared an encounter they had with beauty. Now, I would say most, the majority of the women who sat at the table did not have context for Jesus. Um, and those who did would talk about a beautiful encounter maybe that they had with him. And um, at the very end of the dinner, I said, the reason that we, we sat and we talked about beauty is because beauty is part of the character of God. So when we get to experience beauty together, we get this tiny little glimpse of who God is and who he is for us because God is beautiful. And this woman came up to me afterwards and she looked at me and she goes, um, I need to know what happened. And I was like, um, I, don't, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes, no, when you started talking about God being beautiful, I felt like I was high. I need to understand what happened. <laughs> And, and so I invited her friend who had invited her over, and we sat together. We talked about when you, um, we talked about maybe what she experienced was the beauty of God. And it was life changing for her. There's something about inviting someone to your table saying, You belong, you have value. Let me remind you of who you are. Restoration is possible. You are welcome here no matter what your story holds. We're going to remember together. And then God's going to reveal himself. And he'll do it at the most common place, at our tables. So as we are in and ending this season of epiphany, this season where we, where we think about ways that Jesus has made himself manifest in our lives. Um, my hope is that our lives represent a table, that our lives and our relationships become a place where people are welcomed, where people are valued, where people are restored, where we bring people together to remember who Jesus is and we invite them to see him. Uh, Two weeks ago, Susie shared about, um, she shared about identity. I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to it, to go back two weeks and to listen to what Susie spent her time um, focused upon. And then, and, her, and our value as humans. 
Then last week, Charlie talked about unity and how our unity is a witness to a watching world. And that unity is, this is our, we belong. There's a gift that we give each other, not necessarily in agreement, but in unity of saying, I belong to you, you belong to me, I love you, you're valuable, you have a seat at my table. And that our tables become the playground for reminding us of who we are and where we belong. That we are sons and daughters of God. That we belong to him and to his family. And our parts that we don't welcome have been welcomed by him. And he, his light actually is that which changes us, not our darkness changes him. And that we become people who know that the light of Jesus within us can actually change the spaces around us because we get to bring the light of Jesus there and not be afraid of the dark, but to set a table of blessing in the presence of that which seeks to kill, still, and destroy because the Lord is our portion and our cup overflows. Jesus, thank you for modeling to us a life um, that is generous and compassionate and full of grace, who speaks of one message that we, we belong, we have value, and we have a home. I pray, Lord, for the person or people that we've decided are not welcome at our table, that you would convict us and encourage us and transform us, that we would become people who welcome all others. And Lord, for the places within ourselves that we have deemed unwelcome as well. Lord, that we know that your extravagant and reckless love desires that part to be welcome at the table of our lives so that we being rooted and established in love would know how high and wide and deep and long is the love of Christ. And that love would transform and take over, bringing light to that which is dark and value to that which has forgotten itself. May our tables be a place of unity and belonging. Amen.